I sent you the article that Katy Perry finally apologized to Taylor Swift. I sent her a nice card with an actual olive branch. You know, instead of extending the olive branch, she just, you know, cut one down and gave it to her. I'm like, oh, I see the gesture. I get it. But anyone who doesn't know that Taylor Swift and Katy Perry have had beef uh, needs to listen to the song Bad Blood uh, by T-Swift. And, you know, just catch up on your pop culture. But yeah, so Katy Perry apologized to Taylor and Taylor went on Instagram and said, you know, she's like, oh, I really appreciate the gesture and everything like that. So we'll see if this whole shenanigans is behind them. And Lou, do you even know why it started? I don't recall at this moment. I mean, it's been like years, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A long time ago. And it was over backup dancers. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> totally something that would be true of you know people in the uh the arena of of singing and music is like, oh yeah you're backup dancers we're gonna, we're going to have a fight over that basically if you think about it it's like all right so you know these two startups you know are starting up and one of them says like hey i need to borrow some resources from you you know it's just you know for this amount of time yada yada but i need them for at least this many months and they're like okay yeah cool you know and then here's these resources, you know, whether it be, let's just say engineering talent. So here's the engineers, you know, that will come and work for you for, you know, six months, you know, just to help get you off the ground. It's a mutual agreement. And then halfway through the person's like, Hey, uh, I need the engineers back. And they're like, well, wait, what? No, you said we could, it's like, no, they're, they're coming back now. And that's essentially what starts the whole thing. Okay. So I have, um, I guess two, two small things. So, um, I have a dad joke to insert here, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm definitely working on this uh, dad joke stuff. So um, if uh, two vegans get into a fight, is it still called beef? Do they still have beef with each other? Not a dad joke. Okay. All right. Well, Taylor Swift and uh, and uh, Katy Perry definitely seem like, like they'd probably be the vegan type. So I, I had to insert that. Um, and they definitely had some beef with each other. So Okay. So... Dad jokes are dad jokes because they're only funny to kids, right? And yes, maybe older kids might know what having beef is, but that's a corny joke. I don't think it's a dad joke. Here's a dad joke for you. Uh, What's a crow's favorite drink? Uh, I don't know. Coffee. Wow, that was riveting. That's a dad joke because kids will eat that up and dads think it's the best thing in the world because they made their kids laugh. But that joke is so dumb. Okay. All right, fair enough. I schooled by the dad. Um, so the second part to my my reaction to this is: Why are you brushing up on dad jokes? Why are we just going to skip over that? Like, why are you brushing up on dad jokes? Hey, man, someday I got to be a dad, so you know I got to like perfect the art. You know, it's uh, I got you like a dad in training. You're not even married yet. You know, I, granted, you don't have to be married to be a dad. You know, I know that firsthand. Uh, but like, I don't know. You seem like you're going down like kind of a traditional path here, and traditional maybe the the wrong word to use, but. I mean, I feel like you're not going to be a dad for a while. Like, are you telling your, your nephew like these jokes? If so, then you have to be telling him the awesome, dirty, you know, uncle jokes. And that's a different, that's a different, you know, ball game. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I would say I've shared those with him. Um, we, uh, we did get him to sing. Uh, like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, what's green and smells like pork? Kermit's finger. That was, that was decent. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. He was like, uh-huh. oh, okay. That was, that was passable. Um, yeah, so uh, I I don't know. I think it's going to take some time. You know, pop culture isn't my thing. Probably jokes aren't either. So you know, I gotta 
I got to go through like the uh, get my bachelor's and my master's to be at least passable in the dad joke department. Yeah, you keep swinging for the fences, you know, but you got a long way to go. You're still in T-ball. So the the other question I had is around uh, olive branches. So, you know, I've long heard the the idea that, you know, you, you extend an olive branch to somebody or whatever. What is it? One, do you have any idea what it comes from? And two, is there any significance to, like, an olive branch? Like, in the sense of, like, one, where do I obtain an olive branch? Especially if you're from, like, the neighborhoods where we live from. It's, like, you know, Southern California. There's not many, like, olive trees around, I don't think. Okay, if you're Katy Perry, with the the resources of Katy Perry, I'm sure she could go to someone and say, hey... I need an olive branch. And there would be some Anne Hathaway who'd be running around, you know, all day, wherever she is in L.A. or New York or wherever they happen to be, trying to find someone who's an olive branch dealer. Have you ever seen The Devil Wears Prada? No. And quick question. There is olive branch dealers? No, so you don't get my reference. It's fine. So in the movie The Devil Wears Prada, which is one I should definitely add to your list because it's one of my guilty pleasure movies, one that I will watch just, you know, for fun. Um, very chick flick. I, I don't know. I guess it's not too chick flick, but it's it's about a girl who gets a job at a fashion magazine, working as a personal assistant for um, a fashion magazine editor, and played by Meryl Streep. And Anne Hathaway is this assistant who has nothing to do with fashion. She doesn't know anything about it. And this editor, she's just like intense. Like she demands everything. She wants everything a certain way. And she's known for, you know, firing people just on the spot. So this assistant, you know, really wants this internship, you know, this job basically to add to her resume to be become an editor or writer herself. So she goes through all these things. And one of the things is in the movie is she has to find the the new Harry Potter book that hasn't even been released yet. So she has to go through all this trouble of like finding the manuscripts and, you know, getting them in time to give to Meryl Streep's daughters uh, before they get on a train. And it's, it's crazy. She's running all over the place trying to find, you know, people who have these, these resources to get what she needs to get. So I, I mentioned that just because like I said, if you have the Katy Perry, you, you have an Anne Hathaway to go and, you know, do all these things for you who will basically just run around the city like crazy trying to find an olive branch. I'm sure there's no problem to do that. As far as the significance of an olive branch, I went to go search for it, but my internet just said no. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's a good good sign that maybe I'll leave that to you to find out. Mm, okay. I guess we'll put that in a follow-up for next week to figure out what the hell the meaning of an olive branch is in terms of a sorry. It's biblical, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised by that. So uh, I guess in other news this week, there's um, some... This is like traditionally Google's like big announcements for the year week where they, they do uh, their conference is called IO and um, what they announced Android uh, P, right? That's the new the new version. And they're all desserts, too, right? So what what is P? No, they, they dropped that. I think they dropped that last year with Android O, right? Wait, O was Oreo, wasn't it? Maybe, but I think they dropped it. Oh, OK, well. Well, shows how much I know. Because what was N? Um, I don't know. Nutter butter. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was what was M then? Marshmallow. It was marshmallow. Oh yeah, marshmallow. Yeah, it was marshmallow. 
you can tell we're not Google people. P is like, like P is like pumpkin pie. You know, it's like <laughs> that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, you know, pumpkin pie is not a great dessert, though. I tend to agree with you there, actually. Pecan pie, on the other hand, like I, I can I can get down on some pecan pie. All right, all right. So uh, Android P, uh, I'm gonna be completely honest. I didn't look at it at all. <laughs> um, the one thing that I did see from this this week was the uh, Google Duplex thing um, because that was all over the news. Uh, but what, what can you tell me about it other than I know there, I did see like one of those slides where there's like the bullet pointed, like short list of a bunch of features. And, um, and I saw that, you know, like there was some changes to, um, the notifications and changes to, um, gestures. So, and gestures is also in the show notes. So I assume that's like a huge piece of this. So, uh, what, what do you, uh, what do you mean by gestures? So I just want to kind of call it out because right now I think, you know, everyone's trying to figure out gestures. So I looked at these, you know, just the news, like I browse here and there. And yeah, when Google IO, you know, was happening, there's obviously a bunch of news there. So I would skim through it. And when they started going through the slides on Android P, same thing, I was like, Oh, gesture is cool. So I'm, I wanted to kind of like, just ask you about gestures, how you feel about them, because Whereas before, you know, like physical buttons were everywhere, right? That was how we interacted with everything was like with the click of a button or some abstraction layer between you and the the content that you're working with. And now, you know, everything seems to be moving to like these gestures. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, because I'll tell you personally, like, I, I love it. Like, I, I don't miss having physical buttons. Uh, there's there's some people who are like, oh, I love, you know, the feel of a physical button. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I have a fidget cube for that if I'm ever like button nostalgic and i want to you know you know press on some buttons or i'll go you know on a video game you know a console like the switch or the ps you know 4 controller that i have like i'll pick up one of those and then i can get my you know get my fix on on button button feel and knob feel but i'm I'm curious what your thoughts or opinions are on gestures so i i guess i don't i i like where gestures are going but i don't like um sometimes new gestures because when I know how to do something a really old sort of obtuse way, I don't often learn the new gesture. So I guess the be- the best example I can give to you is something like um, on iOS when you want to switch an app. I'm still that person that primarily um, goes back to the home screen and then selects a different app instead of you know some of the gesture controls that you can do to get there. Or um, another example is um, I'm just going to use messages because that's a common one on iOS. You want to switch back to the thread of all the people or people you are having conversations with. There's that swipe from the right or swipe from the left gesture across your screen. And it goes like back to the, uh, the previous view of list. And in that view, I, I, I never use that gesture. I always go up and tap back. So, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of hard when gestures are added. I think what I really am good at, though, is when gestures are from the beginning are set this way. I'm I'm good at building those into the workflow because that's the only way I know how to do it. But it's only when they're not that way from the beginning and they're added in later that I just I can't jump in and, and do that and retrain my brain, it seems like. So every once in a while, I remember it and I'm like, oh, I should use that more. And then I don't. So... You're saying you're an old dog that can't learn new tricks. Yeah, I especially when it comes to gestures, I think I am. 
Wow. Okay. Fair enough. I was just, like I said, I put it in there just because, you know, with Google I.O. happening and the new version of Android, you know, that was one of the, the things that they're focusing on. So I, like I said, I wanted to see where your thoughts were, were lying and if they, you know, matched mine, which in this case they don't, which is a good thing because it makes for a good conversation. Yeah, I, I definitely am not a fan of buttons. I, I'm happy buttons are going away, but it's it's a very big uphill battle to get Lou to, to sort of learn these other gestures. And th- it's interesting because when I think of something like um, Apple Watch, which has tons of gestures to get to like you know different things and and so on and so forth, because the watch is something that was built you know kind of from the beginning with that that with all that in mind, I've learned the gestures over time and it's, it's kind of makes sense. But when I look at something like iOS, which started with tons of buttons and has slowly moved towards gestures, um, it's, it's something that I haven't been able to integrate into my workflow as easily. So yeah, old dog, new tricks. It's kind of sad, but totally true. That's a metallic song. Sad, but true. I, I wouldn't know this. I don't know pop culture been established man i think that's all you know canon for this uh this show uh all right so uh google duplex did you happen to see that part of the uh io uh presentation i mean it was kind of all over the news but i i guess i should ask yeah no so tell me more about it because i must have missed this news cycle okay so i might have to uh pause you for a second and actually have you watch the video on it but uh long story short uh, they're setting out to build an assistant, in which case their their example, and I'll just use their example, is that you tell the assistant, hey, I want to book a haircut um, on, say, Tuesday from somewhere between 10 and 12. And in the background, the assistant calls, a sal- calls like the salon you use and actually interacts with the person at the front desk of the salon as if it were a human in slightly an interesting way, like where it's got, it uses non-robotic, like natural language, uh, you know, speaking to the human and says, Hey, I'm calling to book a, a, a hair appointment for my uh, client. Um, I'm looking for Tuesday and, um, I think it shoots it a time first and says, Hey, like, what, how about this time? And the salon says, like, she says she needs a second to look at the book and the assistant over the phone says, okay, or something like that, and uses you know some small phrasing to make it seem like a human. She says, I can't do 12, and the assistant goes back and says, well, can you do this time? And they go back and forth really quickly, and they kind of realize that at some point that she could maybe do an earlier time at 10 o'clock, but it would be dependent upon what services she needs. And uh, the assistant says she's just looking for a haircut. And the person over the phone says, cool, that's totally fine. We can do that at 10 and then hangs up with the assistant. And then on the phone, once it's called in the background, you just get a pop-up notification for a calendar, uh, a calendar invite for, you know, Hey, this has been added to your calendar. You have a haircut for 10 AM on this day. So it's doing this all in the background. Obviously I think this is probably a little bit off, but in terms of like time and and how like beta buggy this is probably going to be, but the implications are are cool and and it's amazing to think we're we're this far along. So uh, I'm going to tell you something: is I am 31 years old, and I did a report on voice recognition and responses 
over telephone services in sixth grade. So sixth grade, that makes me what, like around 12, 11, 12. So, you know, let's call it 20 years. About 20 years ago, I was doing a school report on this exact type of feature, which was like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if you could call a place and it would know what you were talking about? And, you know, insert movie phone reference here, right? Like it was just building on movie phone. Like I don't I don't think this is this is great. And yeah, they're they're doing a lot behind the scenes to, you know, make movie phone type services or things smart, but I feel like I'm not sure. Like interacting with a computer, like at some point, you know, you're interacting with a computer, right? The whole Turing test type thing. Um, but this just seems the utility around it. I can kind of see, but I don't know with online booking these days and everything there, it's like granted, not every salon, you know, would have this or every service would have an online service, but I feel like making that easier would be better rather than, you know, getting people to interact with robots, because let's be honest, like, no one's going to want to just interact with some AI over the phone to, you know, get their jobs done. Um, like you said, I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think we will be, be there for a long time. But this technology has always been in the works and always been kind of like in this demonstration phase where it's like, here's this demo where it works, you know, great. And it will work in this one, one perfect sense. But the one time you call a place and they start, you know, giving lip or, you know, trying to F with the, uh, the assistant, then the things go off the rails and things go off script. And that's usually when these things fall down. Now, maybe, you know, Google's found some great way to answer this and they have enough data, you know, probably to, to do that. But I don't know. And I mean, like, do you know, you're talking with an assistant and do you know that all the stuff that you're saying to it is probably going to be recorded and analyzed and stuff like that? Like how, how is that? Okay. Yeah. So I think, the answer of do you know you're talking to an assistant is no, um, but I don't know that for sure. Obviously, this isn't that's slimy. Then, man, I don't like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely got a, a creepy sort of back end to it. So I'm I'm on board with that and understanding that. And I think it's interesting because you you bring up the point of like making the just booking side of the system better, or you know whatever it is. Say you tell the system to call Domino's and order a pizza, you know, or whatever whatever it may be. You know, online systems could just be better, easier, faster, and we can probably do you know that all on its own, you know, faster if we just made those systems better. But at the same time, I think the interesting thing too is once at the end of the day, like the business is is after this stuff because they're going to make more money. And so there, there's a reason to want to take more in. And I understand that. But once you kind of um, get to a point where you understand that, you know, if, if the salon is picking up the phone and every time this is happening, you know, in some future world, 10 years from now, they're going to understand how to talk to the computer. And once you understand how to talk to the computer, doesn't that defeat like half the purpose of it? It's like just the computer should just read out, you know, like, Hey, uh, booking haircut for Adam 10 AM Tuesday. And then like the, the, the person on the phone can just be like, not available, but two is okay. Cool. Two, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's less, it doesn't need to be as human. It's like, you're wasting valuable time uh, that the location has just talking to a computer. It's not even a, a human at that point. So it's kind of frustrating, I feel like, in some ways. Well, and that kind of defeats the purpose, right? If the whole purpose is to make it more natural, 
right? To not really feel like you're talking to a computer. Like you said, learning to talk to the computer is like, God, if I have to break out a manual or read a support document on how to like answer the stupid assistance call and book an appointment, like I'd be pretty pissed. Like I wouldn't like that. Now, the, the same thing too is like, I would much rather have some calendar service. And we, we talked about like email last time and how email is broken. We can talk about calendar another time and how calendar is broken. But, you know, you, you mentioned like a social LDAP for contacts, right? Um, but it'd be great to have like some public calendar option for, you know, especially like these salons, right? Where it's built into the protocol for syncing calendars where you can subscribe to a business's, you know, calendar with an account or a unique identifier or something and be able to, you know, read only see available times to book appointments. If this is especially what this, you know, assistant is for this Google duplex one, then I think this calendar approach may be something better because you could go on there and say like, Hey, I need to, you know, book an appointment at this place for whatever assistant, try to figure it out. And then it can just look at the calendar, scrape the calendar, scrape your calendar and say like, Hey, you don't have appointments on this day. This person doesn't have appointments on this day. Let's throw an appointment in here. Make sure that the other people accept it. Once they accept it, we let you know and add it to your calendar and everyone's all happy. Like, I I feel like that's a better system that you don't have to get into, you know, a human interacting with it. Now, I understand why they do this. And I understand the intent behind it is like, hey, we know that not everyone is going to participate in a site-wide rollout of whatever, right? Or everyone is not going to sign up and, you know, change their entire computer infrastructure or how they book appointments to suit our needs. So this is something to kind of like make it easier for our customers to interact with them without requiring them to change the business, let's say. So I understand that, but I think that there are better ways to solve this for both parties. And this is, you know, just a stopgap in that measure. I mean, like I said, I did a report on sixth grade and 20 years later, it still hasn't really gone to where we thought it was going to go. And I, I just think this, this whole talking with a virtual assistant to book you an appointment is great. Like, I, I think that whole part is awesome, right? If, if it was me interacting with the assistant, it's like, hey, I need a, a haircut. You know, can you give me a haircut on Tuesday? And it's like, let me check on that. And then, you know, you get a notification in like 30 seconds after it does like the background checking. It says like, oh, uh, I found a place that's available whenever. And this is the behind the scenes stuff, you know, that you told me about. If that was all digital, like not having to deal with people, then I think that's a better solution. It's interesting. Your your perspective is is one I think I, I align with pretty well. And that's why this is makes for a great demo, but it doesn't really align with, I think, like, maybe like a long, long-term goal. It's just kind of novel in today's day and age to think, oh, I could have this assistant call somebody for me and, you know, then I don't have to deal with making that call, which is kind of sad, but eh, it is what it is. So uh, I guess we should move on to some follow-up, but this is kind of funny follow-up because this isn't the first time this has happened. We talk about something and then something happens like right afterwards that's extremely relevant to what we talk about. And uh, I think I sent you this link this week that um, Gmail officially rolled out like uh, news support for their um, for their iOS app. And uh, I know you said you had mentioned when I when I messaged to you that it it's been in beta for a while. Is that is that the case? Yeah. So the Gmail, you know, who went through their big redesign recently, like that was in beta. So that's been going on for a couple of weeks, I think now. And uh, so I knew that this news feature existed, right? which that was my number one thing. I was like, hey, email, just give me a snooze. That was my favorite feature of like the mailbox app and like trying to accommodate with my 
my inbox zero life. It's very much like deferring things in OmniFocus, right? It's like, hey, I don't want to see this right now just because I can't act on it, but I don't want to give it like a firm date. Just remind me again at a certain time, but clear it off of my list so I don't have to stare at it, you know, so it's not like burning, you know, just this background process in my in my limited, you know, resources in my head. Like I'd rather have that task just, you know, kill and come back at a certain time. Uh, wow, I'm talking to myself like I'm a computer and this is getting really sad, man. Really sad. I'm a human being like that's not. Ugh. So getting back to the the topic again. Uh, yeah, so Gmail supporting snooze. I, I knew it was there. I knew it was in beta. And I, I think it's important because, yeah, they released it to the public. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't. I thought that the beta was going to go a little bit longer. I didn't really realize it was going to happen, you know, like the next day after we record the episode. So people listen to that episode are like, yeah, duh, Gmail's had that. So I wanted to kind of call that out. And um, I, I think my big thing was I wanted snooze to be embedded in the protocol or embedded in like the standards for for mail because i think it's a feature that has caught on to a bunch of you know clients and i I think it's it's a service that's important to a lot of people and i I would love it to be embedded in the protocol to where there's some standard for handling how you snooze uh, an inbox item or snooze a mail attachment or snooze sorry a mail message i still think that's the better way to go so I threw this in there as follow-up just to say, like, yeah, I, I I know Gmail has snooze. And sorry that we, you know, didn't mention it, that clients already have that. But I still want protocol support and still need that. Cool. Well, uh, I, I can't blame you for wanting that. I mean, I at the end of the day, like, look, I understand, like, probably half the world has a Gmail account. But at the same time, it, it isn't, like, you know, that isn't a great solution long term. You know, there will, there will be, at some point, another Gmail in the world. So, you know, doing it at the protocol level makes way more sense. Well, and the fact that now, you know, like you said, over half the people, let's say, or a large amount of people are using this feature or will start using this feature, then maybe it'll gain more traction, kind of have more ammunition to, to just be applied everywhere. Very true. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, passwords and uh password management and uh it might even drift into password hygiene a little bit but um i guess kind of looking backwards first and and thinking of a fonder time when uh we didn't really have to worry about passwords so much and i guess systems weren't being hacked every day or or you know under attack every day so it wasn't so much a concern about what your password was but um do you remember a time when we little Adam had a uh, less than secure or or a great password on any uh, one service. I remember when passwords were less than eight characters, all lowercase, didn't include any numbers. Ah, oh, so nice. Yeah, so I think I cleaned up my act in probably around uh, 2013, maybe somewhere in that area. But I, uh, oh man, my uh, I, I one of probably the the most closely guarded accounts is for me at least being in on iOS and 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 in the Apple ecosystem is uh your Apple ID account and my Apple ID was an old Apple ID and so when I signed up for my Apple ID uh was back in the days of um .mac if you remember those days and um so my one, one of my passwords was one character that repeated six times. Yeah, 
that's um yeah that's uh not very secure there yeah i'm pretty sure it would have taken like any modern computer like half a second to guess it but there were even less but yeah it was uh it was kind of sad. So in like, I want to say 2013 or so that, that changed and, and it, it got significantly more complex. It's not like 20 characters, but yeah, is what it is. But, um, I guess what can you say in terms of like length of passwords and, and, and so on and so forth has changed for you over time? I mean, do you still have any like go-to passwords that you know off the top of your head? Do you not even do that stuff anymore? So the only passwords that I that I know off the top of my head are uh, login passwords or admin passwords to the computers and my one password. Everything after that, I'm pretty sure I have completely cleaned out uh, just for the sake of I went through a big password audit in I, I don't know, I'd have to look in OmniFocus to see the last time I completed it. But I, I went through a giant password audit where I just went through every password that I had and changed it and every login that I had and got rid of ones that I didn't need. And I set that to reoccur like every two years. So I know that there's one pending. So probably the last one was in 2015, I want to say, is when I went through this. But nowadays, there are only, I think, a max of three passwords I remember. And they're ones that I have to use on a very frequent basis. Everything else, like, once I can get to one password, then cool, I don't care. And once I can get to one password on a client, I'm fine. So essentially anything, you know, that requires a daily use that prevents me from using one password on that machine, that's the password I remember. So in this case, it's the login password or the admin password. And this is tough now because like having like Touch ID come into the mix for like for the Mac is like, ooh, well, if I had a Mac with Touch ID, then I could, you know, just use that for most of the time. And then on the rare times where I actually have to log in with a password, you know, after like an update or a restart or what have you, I'd be okay with entering something longer or something I have to look up. But now, because I don't have that convenience, like I said, it's just the three, the admin password and the one password. And then I think there's probably one other one that I remember, which is probably like a server password, which I'm not even, you know, I'm probably going to change that because I'm moving everything to keys for those. Yeah, so I think... Personally speaking, I remember like like you login passwords for you know iOS, iPad, and and Mac, and then one password I remember. And the only other thing I know off the top of my head is um, Apple ID. And um, I'm I'm surprised you you don't remember that off the top of your head. No, I use the uh, one password for that. Wow. Okay, that goes even beyond me. I, the only reason I don't do that is um, for fear you know I I get a new phone or something like that. And, and I'm without a device or something, you know, I, I can't, I can't approve from another device. So in the, it would be in a really rare event that I would be under that. But if I was, I didn't have one password with me and I couldn't get to it first, I would be pretty hosed. Yeah. So in hindsight, my one scare was that if I lost access to one password, you know, let's say because it was purchased on you know, the app store, and it required my Apple ID to look for something, I would kind of be like, oh, crap, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I couldn't open one password because I need the Apple ID, I'd kind of be screwed. <laughs> but now that uh, I've migrated to uh, one password, you know, their subscription service. So now that it's all online, and I could just go to one password site and log in, then I'm not worried anymore. Yeah, the 
So the hard part about the online thing for for them, at least for me, is that um, that secret key they give you. You know, like every once in a while, I do reset my browser, and I'm pretty sure it's based on you know some cookie or something that gets dropped on your on your browser or on your computer that you know hangs on to you know that yes you've logged in at this computer before and as soon as you reset your browser you're host so yeah like that that kind of scares me away a little bit because even that like i couldn't get back to it even if i did get back to my own mac or something so i i have some some apprehension of that but maybe one day i'll do that and the other thing i guess that kind of scares me is God forbid I want to change my Apple ID. There'll be like 17 million other things to change because it'll it'll want me to sign in and sign out at every location, you know, under the sun. So that's that's oh, never... such a first nerd problem. I have so many devices. I have to sign into all of them if I change my password. Oh, hey, man, you think about it. It's like iCloud, App Store, FaceTime, Messages. It's like four things on each one. Oh my goodness, and my so many Apple devices, and I have to do it on my TV as well, which has just that that keyboard, oh, and the scrubbing, it's just so horrible. Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't even want to think about it, but maybe I'll get around to doing it. Just fetch a first nerd problem. I guess that's what this podcast is about, but that one is like, I'm calling you out on a first nerd problem on that one. Just complaining that I have so many devices that I have to change my password on all of them is the biggest first nerd problem. Yeah. If I, I will say if I do change it, it is getting like really, 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 you know, long generated, uh, you know, password. But, um, so you said you, you audit this about every two years and you go through every single login and change, uh, the actual password for it. So, I mean, I, I, if I'm following you correctly here, you log into like all your web services, change all the passwords to those or are you kind of more selective it's like uh just these you know you know how one password has that whole like filter which is passwords that are older than one year passwords that are older than two years passwords that are older than however many years they have their whole security audit which is where i got this idea anything that's three plus years that's what i change that's interesting it's um you know i, I actually don't do that myself either so it's like Every one of my passwords is different. So if, and if I, um, you know, they, they plug into the whole, uh, the pwn to own website, they have like the API call for that now, which I guess we should probably briefly cover that, that basically they, their online service has a, uh, plugin which will scrape, um, the, have I been pwned or have I been pwned? Yes. And, um, and will automatically let you know, like, Hey, if, if you're in sort of like a paste bin of uh, of a database that uh, you know got leaked, and um, we'll tell you, hey, change your password. But um, you know, I'll change those, of course, and I will kind of go around if they say um, that Watchtower feature says, hey, this this password is weak. I'll definitely change that. But otherwise, I don't really go and change the passwords on all my accounts on any regular basis. I just keep them separate so that if one happens to get attacked, it's not, it's, it's an isolated incident. Yeah. I know though the watchtower one, I'm trying to see just right now if I have anything in there, but I think we need to get into password managers pretty quick. Uh, just because we we're talking a lot about features that are, that are in password managers, especially when we start talking about, you know, how we're managing all of these random passwords and, 
not remembering any passwords except for the ones that we have for the password manager in our computers. But yeah, my security audit, the whole reason it came up was just because I knew I had a bunch of logins out there that weren't properly, you know, kind of, I guess they had poor hygiene. So this is just a way for me to kind of get back on that train. And like I said, I think there's what I have probably 12 logins that I have to change right now that are over three years old. And they're all random, you know, they're all random passwords that I created a long time ago. So now they'll just get updated to something a little bit stronger, a little more characters. Um, But it still depends on the service too. You know, some of them won't accept that, but it's good to audit, you know, your security every once in a while. And like I say, there are services out there, like have I been pwned to see if, you know, the password that you, you use has been, you know, posted on, like you said, some paste bin or posted somewhere publicly and people know about it. So it's good to audit. Audits are nice. It's not tax audits, but, you know, password audits are a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, tax audits. No, let's stay away from those for right now. Uh, okay, so, yeah, you're, you're totally right. We need to jump into password managers. So it's no you know surprise here. We've already been talking about it that both you and I both use 1Password. Have you ever used any of the others that are out there? I've used um, just kind of like built-in password managers. You know, like on Apple, I've used Keychain. And on Windows, I know they had an equivalent for like their credential manager, I believe. Um, So I've used those. uh, But I haven't used like the online services like LastPass or some of the other, you know, password managers that are out there. Um, Mainly, I've stuck with 1Password just because I liked the idea of (laughs) my content at the time being local. Like I liked that idea. I liked having the database local and choosing my method of sync and now i've kind of just yielded to like hey i'm okay with a lot of a lot of my logins being online but i start with unpassage just because it's it's clean and i got used to it and once you invest a lot in it into you know the service it's it's hard to kind of move out of it just because like well okay they have 300 passwords of mine in this vault like i could export them all and import them into another one but that seems like a lot of hassle that i don't want to go through yeah it's it's kind of sticky that way. I mean, it's something that keeps you with them. Um, and I like you, I think I started with them for mainly reasons of the way they, I, I was okay from, from the beginning with it being in a cloud account, but I kept it in my own personal iCloud account. And so that, you know, key of, you know, or, or database of, of theirs was in my own personal account. And so it felt a little more under my control and, uh, and then wasn't on anything that was theirs, but you know, it's one of those things that this company has, I've, I've used them for, I don't know, six or seven years now, I feel like. And so there has been a degree of trust that has been built over that time. And um, it's something that I definitely, I don't want to say like I'm a fanboy, but I definitely am okay with the level of me giving them the database now. And um, and it's it's still encrypted and all that. So I, you know, I'm... I'm still willing to take some risk and give it to them, but it is something that that trust has been built slowly and I'm willing to give up a little bit of risk for the benefits that it comes with. Yeah. See, I still maintain a private vault, like the one that is fairly local and not stored on, you know, that, that service, but I don't know. It's, there's not a lot in there. There's not a lot that I really like, hold that secure. I'm like, okay, this stuff no one can ever, you know, see, or this stuff you can't get synced anywhere. It can never touch anywhere but here. Like I'm not I'm not really like that. 
Uh, there's only like one or two things that have it. And I think it's mainly the recovery keys. That's about it. And that's probably one thing where they are on, in the cloud somewhere because they're probably backed up with backblaze, but <laughs> you have to go hunting to find them. It's not like if someplace got hacked, you know, like still getting into that database, like you said, it's encrypted. So they still have to know the key to get in, which is a good thing. Yeah. So, and a little bit different than you, I actually haven't, I try not to use the, the built-in uh, features. So I, iCloud keychain or keychain. I don't really use it, honestly. Um, I try to avoid it asking me for passwords and and doing that just because it's kind of, it seems sort of backwards, but it's one of those kind of old rules of like, hey, mitigate your attack surfaces if you have it in multiple places or, you know, say keychain has got the wrong password, but one password has the right one. It's like, it just turns into more of a headache than it's worth sometimes. So, well, this is the area where you want one cookie jar and you don't want multiple hands in it. You don't want multiple things looking at, at your password database. So I, I mentioned built-in just because like I've used the built-in once before, but once I started, you know, sticking with one password, like I chose that as my primary and that meant I turned off, you know, auto-filling of passwords and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I understand it's a feature, you know, that that's great, but I know where my passwords are. Like, Luckily, I can turn off that feature and just say, hey, no, use this instead. I'll, I'll use my extension to, to get the passwords. But I mean, I, I think I put this in here. The built-in one is because it's worth noting that most, you know, modern operating systems come with some form of built-in password management and a way to actually, like, let you create and store secure passwords. You know, we mentioned that, oh, it was so nice when I could use a password like baloney and, you know, not have to put a, a one after it, you know, every time. Uh, they required some stricter requirement, uh, but most operating systems come with this, you know, because it's important. But I, I just think it's important to call out because everyone should be using one if they're not. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that most operating systems come with a quote unquote like free version of of what we're doing with one password. So that's cool that it's built in, and for the vast majority of people, it's probably enough. Um, one password, just if you're if you're willing to take uh, on a little bit of homework and you know put in the time, it can go a lot further. And, you know, in some respects, I would like to see 1Password sort of have some way to parody my entire database of, like, say, just logins to the built-in one. And the reason I would say something like that is that more and more today, developers are getting, like, API-level access to some of these things. So, you know... I could open Netflix on my iPhone and it just would paste in my, you know, login credentials from iCloud Keychain. Now, Netflix doesn't see that, um, you know, password or anything, so it's not compromising in that way. But right now, there's this kind of game of go to 1Password, copy it, go back, you know, paste it in, which it's fine. And I know 1Password also does make an extension for iOS, but this is kind of like that solution around it for now. And so if there was some way to keep those two in sync, that would just flow. Uh, but right now, you know, I don't, I don't really see that happening down the road. And there is, that's really the only pain point. And that pain point is pretty small for most people, I think. I think once you get in the habit of realizing that you don't know the password to a service that you're logging into, I think once you get into that habit where you open up the Netflix page, and you're like, oh, no, I don't know what this password is. Hold on, I need to I need to grab that or look that up. I think once you get into that, you know, mindset, it's fine. It's it's a little bit of friction and it would be awesome, you know, if things just auto filled. 
But there's also some peace of mind, right? And when every news article that you see every week is like, so-and-so hacked, you know, and 44 million, you know, passwords released to the public. And it's like, okay, well, knowing that or having the peace of mind that all my passwords are random, they're all super hard to guess, and they're all unique. So even if this one service is compromised, it doesn't bleed into any other services, which is the biggest issue with password you know, management is password reuse. So just knowing that, like, I'm okay with a little bit of friction just for the peace of mind, like, especially in an online world, I think we've, we've grown up, you know, in this wild west where we now know that we have to protect ourselves, right? We talked about VPN, you know, two episodes back, right? And encryption and how important that was to us. And now we're talking about passwords. And it's, it's no coincidence that we're kind of having this trend is because these are all things that we've grown up with that we've kind of learned and had to kind of stumble through, right? Like building best practices. And I listened to an episode of uh, Reconcilable Differences with Merlin Mann and John Syracuse, and they were talking about password hygiene, funny enough, after we already decided to do this topic. Uh, And talking about like that with kids too. And like my kids, you know, it was like, how do I instill this in them? Like, how do I teach them all the things that I've learned, right? That's the big problem you have as a dad, Uh, which we talk about on Casual Dads, the new podcast that we have coming out. It's like, you like that shameless plug? That's pretty good. Uh, But I I think it's just, we've learned these habits over the course of the years, but I think there'll be a generation who won't have to worry about passwords. And that's kind of my dream is not having to worry about this. It's like, there will be no friction because you won't have to worry about knowing things. You just have to authenticate who you are. And if you can prove who you are, then they can prove who you are to said service. Passwords definitely have a expiration date on them in the sense that, you know, they may exist in some alternate form, but identity proof is, is really what it'll come down to more than anything. And we're kind of blurring that line a little bit today with some of the, you know, security enhancements on our devices, but it's, it's not there yet. We're, we're only making minor strides towards it. So, um, so cloud storing of, of passwords, you, uh, I think we've kind of just rehashed this a little bit already, but, or we've, we've been over this a little bit already, but, um, you're totally okay with storing databases. You keep one local database, you said, um, is that just, you said just for recovery keys? Is that correct? Yeah. I think the only thing that's still in there, uh, in that vault is just the recovery keys for the other vaults. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, like, yeah, you get into that one and then, you know, it's open season, but you have to have physical access to my machine and get past my, you know, login password and know where that vault is and then know the password to that vault. So the chances of that are going to be pretty slim. Yeah. So I, I've none, um, that are, that are local. Everything is, is cloud storage. Um, it's interesting because my recovery key information is stored in another cloud service but I know the password to that cloud service. So it's like kind of a way around the problem. Um, and I guess <laughs> one thing while you were talking for a second, I looked up my, uh, my security audit um, and my security audit for, for things that are over three years old, I would have to change 161 passwords right now. So uh, I guess if I'm going to tackle that on or tackle that it's it's and, and take it on over the next couple of weeks, man, Holy heck, I've got a lot of work to do. So I, I may need to just like uh, defer that and omni-focus for a little bit. <laughs> just break it up and uh, sort the services by name and say like, this week I want to get through the A's. <laughs> Next week through the B's. 
Yes, it's going to take a, a little bit of time to get through that, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll take that on. No, what you should do, because otherwise every time you do this, it's going to be just the nightmare, is change like a third of them right now and then call that a day, right? And then wait four months or three months and then do another you know, third of them and then wait another three months and do the last third. So that way in three years when it comes up, you've only got a little chunk. That only postpones like a third of it, but you know, hey. It, it'll still kind of make your job a little easier. Yeah, I remember the day I sat down and did like all of my logins, and I like tried to think about every single one of them, and it definitely took me like probably like six hours to do like all the logins to get everything I could ever think about that I'd ever created into one password. But I mean, once I was done, like you said, like I'm, I, I think the way you put it was perfect. That like there's a really freeing sensation when you're like. I don't know this password. I really don't know it. I'm just going to go look it up. And I know my one password. And that's the only thing I do know. Unless you forget to put it in there, like your vanity Gmail. Yeah, that 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 was a problem. But yeah, nope. So I, I'm, I think I'm in good shape now. I've got them all in there pretty much. So, uh, so another thing that's coming on strong is uh, two-factor or, or having some sort of second factor or... I guess the the other acronym is uh, time based one time passwords. Um, so, what is uh, what is your thought on this, and is this something you actively practice? So, my thoughts on two factor are: it makes sense, right? You have to have something you know and something you own, right? Uh, two things to verify you are who you are. So, it's not like some bot, you know, who scraped your password logging in. Like, it has to be another way to prove that you are the person who's logging in. So. I, I like the I, the concept of a two-factor, you know, login. And my preferred method is the timed one-time passwords. Like, I, I think those are more convenient than waiting for some text message to come through or some email to come through. Those are my two least favorites. Like, okay, we'll email you it. I'm like, don't email me. Like, no, <laughs> that's not that's not the way this works. Like, I'd rather, you know, have the, the timed one-time password because at least that is constantly changing. And I, I know that that's still easy enough to to crack if someone can get to the code, uh, the QR code, and you know have the settings for it. But I, I find that to be more convenient, mainly because I can also use that within my password manager. But I think two factors are necessary a necessary thing in this day and age. It's it's a solution to the problem of no matter how complex we made passwords, if there was a bot or a computer that could churn through enough times and and guess, it would get it. Uh, and this kind of eliminates that in the sense of, well, you've said that this is your password. And if this is your password, you also have to say that this is the way that we can prove you are who you are, whether that be text message, email, or timed one-time password. So I, I think it has to exist, and I think it's a good thing. But this is where the argument is like, oh, there's just so much to do. There's too many things. Like, if I just want to log in, now you've added you know, an extra step that I have to go through to get into my account. So I think a lot of people won't enable this because it is a lot of friction, but I, I love, I love it. Whenever a service offers it, I'm like, yeah, cool. Sign me up. So like, you know, I think backblaze was the last one that I did is like, Hey, we offer, you know, two factor. I'm like, awesome. Doing that now. I like it. But like I said, timed one time passwords are, are my, my gig. Yeah. So I definitely am in the same camp you are with the, uh, time based or timed one time passwords. Um, I, I really, really like that over the text messaging. 
I know the text messaging, although we don't really have any, I think like hard and hard and proof. Like it's, it is more susceptible in the sense of like man in the middle attack, you know, that's totally a, a, a real possibility if, if, you know, you have access to the carrier networks or anything like that, they could read all that. It's all sent in essentially plain text. And then again is we already talked about the security of email. So, I mean, both of those are, I think more susceptible than just uh, that QR code that is syncing with the server. But I, uh, I do have this enabled on most of my accounts that I can, but I, I recently learned um, that one password now actually tells you on their website or when you're using the, the web portal version, what accounts you have that now support um, this sort of uh, behavior. So that's cool. And I know I talked about it, I think, on a really old episode. I don't remember. We were probably talking about password hygiene or something of that nature briefly. But um, twofactoroff.org is a website that allows you to just kind of quickly search um, a bunch of online services and whether they support um, that second factor authentication. And not only to search that, but like what sort of support they have. So is it um, like SMS, phone call, email, hardware, software tokens? And, you know, most importantly, these are all software tokens. Um, and it also calls out when they don't have it so that you can kind of like nag the company a little bit. Um, and then the, I think the, the really cool part about this website is too, is there, there's always like, there's these like deep links to the support articles for how to set this stuff up. So that is super, super nice. So if you're ever looking to just kind of like audit whether your services have it and you don't have something like uh one password, this is a great and useful site. Yeah, this is a great resource. Uh, and what's hilarious is as I'm going through it, I checked retail. Retail has a lot of red. So a pretty large percentage that don't support a two-factor. And then health was the other one that doesn't have a lot. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's great. Government, you know, like there's there's a decent amount in government. So I'm like, oh, all right, I'm going to give you a pass on that one. And the education, yeah, there's a big lack in education too in terms of two-factor support. So I think it's funny going through here and looking, oh, security, this one should be good. Yeah, lots of green there. That's That's nice. But yeah, uh, health and what was the other one I mentioned? Health and education. Got to got to get some work there. Got some some tweeting at at uh, some institutions to do here. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that is. It just gives you a gauge, and then I just like that you can. Oh, transportation! Oof! Ouch! Airlines are way behind on this. Yeah, what? There's not a single one of them that has it. No. <laughs> of all the ones listed on here, there's not one that supports two-factor in transportation. So that's, and I'm going to call out companies here by name, so apologies in advance. So like American Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Air France, JetBlue, Greyhound, Lyft, uh, Redbus, I don't know what that is, but Southwest, Spirit, United, Uber. Yeah, basically anything transportation, no two-factor for you. Yeah, it's super funny, just because it's like, <laughs> these, these, uh, I feel like we just kind of went on a little bit of like a transportation transportation like machine gun, you know, but uh we're we're definitely shots fired on this one cuz it's like oh, that is an ugly looking page with nobody supporting that. So also no surprise that cryptocurrencies all support two factor. <laughs> yeah, you don't want your bitcoin stolen? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's the new finance, right? <laughs> someday, someday. 
Yeah, it's it's uh this is a great resource if you have some time, definitely check it out. It's uh well worth your uh, you know, time to kind of add these to your uh or add these services and their uh, you know, support to your uh password manager of choice just cuz it's like man, some some of these things, I mean, I don't know, I guess there's like particular industries that are going to be, you know, you may want to start with first, you know? Cryptocurrencies, finance, health. Yeah, I can understand a little bit more like why airlines are lagging, I guess. But at the same time, like if you're building a service today or you're any big company, I think this should be just like from the start built into your workflow. Agreed. So that being said, I what sort of alternatives are out there? I mean, I only know of um, Squirrel, really, uh, that that's out there. And Squirrel is just something I know of pretty much by proxy of, of listening to, um, the podcast. Um, good gosh. What's, what's the name of his podcast even Adam security now? That's right. Security now with Steve Gibson. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've heard him talk about it, of course, a ton of times, but I'm really not well versed in, in what it, what it's all about. Do you know much about it? Uh, this, this is, remember when we talked about encryption and we said that, Hey, encryption is something we're going to have to talk about another time because we'll get really into the weeds and it may require some homework for us to do. This is basically the equivalent for passwords for me, where it's like, okay, I kind of get the concept. And if I'll include the link to you to scroll in the show notes, but if you go to this page, it has, you know, some diagrams like, all right, I kind of get this kind of understand what's going on. But basically what this is, is yeah, instead of signing into a, a website, you just take a picture of your QR code from this app and it logs you in by creating a set of cryptographic keys, verifying them against the website and your key and anonymously logging you into the site without really either of them knowing. It's like sending authentication without knowing who's, who's authenticated. It's, it's really weird to me. And hearing Steve Gibson talk about it is is mind blowing. And there's been a couple of times where he has some episodes where he'll go through and start talking about the deep dives and this and that, and how you deal with like a user experience and how you deal with not having a password or logging someone in, or there's just a bunch of things that, that you can do with this. But I, I think this is something as an alternative to passwords, right? It's like, you don't know the password, right? You don't use the password to log in. You use your identity to log in. And it's not even like sending the password. It's more, you know, sending this set of keys over. And I think it's really amazing to look at. And I think something like this will be will be the future where you never have to worry about creating like this pseudo random, you know, crazy 32 character password. You more just, you know, set up your account whenever you set it up and add it to your your database of whatever approved places. And then you send your key and they verify your key, you know, decrypts your login token, and you're good. So that's, like I said, I don't know much about it, but I think from what I've heard, and same thing, I've heard this just from security now, so there may be other things out there, and I'm more than happy to to have people tweet at us, you know, with those ideas, but this is the only one I know of, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, so the few times I've listened to an episode and heard him go into detail too, I mean, it's it's sort of mind-blowing, and I mean, it is definitely an in the weeds kind of discussion with him because he, he doesn't stick very high level often. I mean, uh, 
he uh, he's going to go into the uh, sort of the bowels of this all and, and really just get into the nitty gritty and talk to you about, you know, a ton of stuff that it's doing on the back end. But I, I kind of have to agree with you when he's talked about just briefly how, how you go about using it a little bit. I mean, it is, it sounds sort of like that 10 X improvement that we would like to see from like any, you know, major tech shift. And so I know, you know, like that's kind of like a venture capital esque, uh, like phrase, but I mean, it totally seems like that where it's like, Hey, we're, we're, we don't even interface with the passwords anymore. We don't interface with the logins. We don't interface with the passwords. You know, we don't do any of that anymore. And if this can sort of be repackaged into something that is more maybe palatable, I think, for the general public, I think it has a chance to succeed. But I think there's something to be said about how, you know, I, I wouldn't say you and I are, are super well-versed in the in the cryptographic space at all. <laughs> we're, we're definitely far enough away from that. But we're, we're computer users day to day and we're definitely in the industry. And the fact that we approach this with some degree of, you know, it's complex and I don't really understand what it's doing means to me it, it has, you know, to maybe be reapproached. Um, you know, the underlying foundation that he has built is probably rock solid. But um, finding a way to put this into a very usable and shippable app to the masses is probably something that's going to be harder to do, I think. Well, you're changing a behavior. And like Lou said, I mean, it's impossible for him to learn new tricks. So, uh, but I agree. I, I think that something like this, if if you want a mass adoption of changing the the concept of passwords, that's a tough thing to do. And there's a really nerdy way to do it, right? Which already kind of exists with, you know, SSH keys and cryptographic keys in general. And the whole concept of, you know, like when people sign up for Bitcoin, right? And having your key and your wallet and everything that had to deal with setting up cryptographic key for Bitcoin. People kind of know about that, right? And that was always the nerdy part of the uh, the community. But for someone, you know, just to pick it up and say like, hey, I, you know, use this instead of passwords. It's going to be great. It's like, it has to be easy enough for them to understand what is going on to a certain degree and know that it's just going to work like a password would work. It's like, Hey, I know my password. I enter my password. It works. Like my, my first question is like, okay, well, when this doesn't work for some reason, where do I start troubleshooting? Like what, what do I even look at? I don't know. I didn't make it. (laughs) So that's where I kind of get lost. And I agree. I think I, I know that Steve is, is really smart and he has all of this written up on his website of how it works and why it works and, what makes it tick, you know, and why it's secure. But I I think to a normal person, and I say normal in a sense that I'm not downplaying people, but someone who doesn't have to, you know, know the ins and outs of computers and cryptography is like, how do they use this app or how does this benefit them? Or how do you get it in a package that they can consume? So, but I think this stuff is, is amazingly cool. And it makes me want to listen to his, you know, his entire like walkthrough of the app, which I know he does, you know, every once in a while, but I kind of want just another episode of him just going top to bottom on how he did this, why it works. And that'll just be five hours where I won't do anything else. I'll just, there's no other task going on. I just need to dedicate 100% of my attention to, to what's happening. Yeah. And Steve is, you know, uniquely talented and he can explain stuff very well, which is awesome. It's, it's a super dry podcast as I think we've said before, but 
it is also something that requires 100% of your mind because it is it just a mental exercise sometimes to keep up with him. So it's, uh, I definitely like his show, but it is, it can be, uh, interesting to keep up with him. But, uh, anyway, so other things that are out there too, I know you briefly mentioned SSH keys. Uh, is this something you even have ever used Adam? I'm curious. Oh, every day. Yeah. So to log into, to my servers, um, I don't use passwords anymore. I just use my, my SSH keys. So uh, it's something that I'll probably set you up on sometime, Lou. I just haven't gotten around to doing it. Um, but if you send me, you know, your public key, I'll add it. Just so if you want to authenticate by SSH, you can, or by key. Um, so yeah, I did this, I want to say, probably six months back, is I set up the SSH keys for, for all my computers and just use that as my primary form of, form of authentication. And the Keystoke has a passphrase, which, you know, I have stored in one my password manager. but it's more than just the convenience factor of like, hey, I put the keys on my computer and they're added to keychain. So then when I, you know, SSH into said machine, as long as my key's there, I'm instantly authenticated and let in. I don't have to worry about putting in password for that machine. So it was mainly a way to be lazy <laughs> rather than a way to be like super secure. That was, you know, kind of my approach to it. It's like, I know this is better than, you know, typing in my password each time. Uh, but since I'm already in, you know, an encrypted tunnel, like whatever. But I, sending my key was just an easier way to authenticate, less friction for me. Well, we all know you like the uh, less friction approach. Friction fucking free. Friction fucking free is a trademark from Adam. You better, uh, you know, get on that. Yeah, that's not something I'm going to do. So whenever someone, you know, trademarks it and then they I receive a cease and desist for using friction fucking free on my podcast, and I'll be like, all right, well, lost opportunity. Uh, so the other thing that is sort of uh, hardware driven is uh, biometrics. Um, and I know this is something we sort of touch on with, uh, you know, there's touch ID today. There's also like face ID out there. And so, um, and just, there's a ton of other stuff that's like out there, it, you know, it depends how, how much money you have to, I think, throw out the problem, but there are, you know, way more complex solutions in, in industry that I think are used today. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on uh, like the future in terms of biometrics and where we're going that way. So insert name of every sci-fi movie here uses biometrics as a form of authentication. So I, I think in the sci-fi lover's dream, it's going to be biometrics. It will be the future of authentication. Just, it won't be something, you know, when something you are or something you have, it'll just be, like I said, something, you know, something you own, it'll just be something you are. <laughs> it'll just be you you will be the something. So I think when we get to that that phase, right, where this you know device only works with you and it has to authenticate who you are and once it can do that, however it does that, it lets you into whatever, right? And I think that'll be the same for a service. Once a service can identify in a secure way without being creepy about it, who you are, then cool. It doesn't have to worry about the rest of the stuff. So I think there are a lot of ways you can accomplish that. I think if your biometric data is set up as a key, right, just a key, and that is your identity key, and that's what you use to, you know, sign up for services, then as long as whatever you're using to authenticate, you know, the biometrics, as long as that can prove who you are and send, you know, the public key uh, or the key authentication over to the service, then great, as long as that matches your let in. So I think a combination of right now we have like facial data and fingerprint data, you know, 
once we get into something like, hey, we know that a physical person is holding this phone because there's a heartbeat in the thumb and they're moving or whatever. So we know it's a human and we can identify via either retinal scan or face scan or what have you. Once we can verify, let's say, two out of three of these things, we know it's an actual person and we know who that person is, we'll unlock and let you into the service. Like I, I think that will be kind of the future of authentication where the biometrics will be very heavily based on who you are and then sending that anonymous data saying, hey, this is the user and they are authenticated to a service and letting you into that service. Um, so that's how I envision, you know, the physical, physical security as well as like the service or server side security. Yeah, I mean, biometrics is, I think, going to be huge, of course, and, and it's only going to get better and better and better. But I think some form of some hybrid approach of biometrics and proximity of devices is probably, you know, a really realistic short-term approach where, I mean, we kind of already see this with like, you know, oh, you have Apple Watch on, you you go ahead and sit down at your computer, it automatically unlocks, you know. If, if they can sort of get over some sort of cliff of like, hey, you, you've got to a certain point of, you know, we can trust this is you because you know, you're at your computer, but your watch is on your wrist and your phone's within three feet and your, you know, your iPad's within, you know, 10 feet. It's like, okay, I've got enough, like, you know, plus ones here to know that this is, this has definitely got to be you. So that's something that I think in the long run might lead to, uh, you know, biometrics and some sort of hybrid approach being a, a way we can manage those passwords. So anyway, um, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up everything we got for uh, for passwords. But uh, is is there anything else you want to throw in there before we move on? Uh, I I think just kind of wrapping up, right? Like passwords is here. Here I can give my PSA, right, to to everyone who out there using passwords. It's like if you're using passwords and you're you're not using a password manager, please, 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 you know, take a look at the built-in ones that are on your computer right now, or look into something like LastPass or One Password because. Right now, passwords are a reality of life, just like email is, just like telemarketer phone calls are, like just like all that stuff. But passwords are are the the one thing that's a very can be a very weak point in the security matrix or the security setup. So, using a password manager is is one of the single best things you can do to protect yourself. So, I just want to tell you know everyone here's my PSA is like use a password manager, and if you don't, then you're a horrible person. And every time you don't use a password manager, you kick a puppy and no one wants to kick puppies. Um, but I think in terms of like our coverage of, of passwords and just kind of like our deep dive, there's, there's so much to talk about. And I'm really curious to learn more about the alternatives, right? We mentioned, you know, squirrel and we kind of gave a little love session to, to Steve Gibson there, just because I think we both have a mutual admiration to the work that he does or for the work that he does, I should say. But I'm curious to see what other people come up with in terms of how we're going to identify and authenticate with devices in the future. And you see a lot, a lot of that in sci-fi movies, right? Like guns that only work with certain people like metal gear solid, a video game kind of goes through it a lot, right? It says like, Hey, there are nano machines in you that authenticate and let you pull the trigger on this device and let you not pull the trigger on the other device. So I think that'll be interesting to see the alternatives come out of it. But in the meantime, just, Passwords are something we all have to live with. Use secure passwords. Use a password manager. Okay. I, I, I couldn't agree more at this point. Um, so in a little bit of wrap-up, uh, you're biking to work? Question mark? No, bike to work day. Bike to work day was the 10th. Did you bike to work? No, I definitely didn't. Um, did you bike to work? 
I bike to work on the ninth. Does that count? Well, I bike to I bike to the bus stop. <laughs> Let, let's back up a little bit here. <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, 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 because because work for you is is like work to, work for me is over a mountain. Like I have to get over a mountain to get to where I work, and I don't want to bike up a mountain. Like, Granted, I get to go down the mountain, but no, no. So I bike to the bus stop. <laughs> Excuse me, Adam didn't partake in the uh, tour to Santa Cruz. Tour to Santa Cruz Mountains? No. Um, I, I know people who uh, have bike to work and that live in Santa Cruz and have bike to work. And it's it's a, an all-day ordeal. Basically, it'll take you like three hours to get into work, you know, unless you're a madman and just go up, you know, the 17, like a crazy person. But there are people who have done it, and they say it's really nice. And I'm like, I agree. It's probably really, really nice. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to bike, you know, 20 miles. Uh, I'll I'll bike to the bus stop and then they can, you know, take uh, my bike to work and I'll bike around work, but I'm not going to bike there. So I biked the day before I missed bike to work day just because um, there was something I had to be back for. So I I didn't get the opportunity to to bike on bike to work day. I was curious if you even participated. It sounds like you did not. Uh, Did you even do a cycle bar workout on the 10th? that, That would count as a bike for work day for me. Uh, on the tenth, no, I did not. I I did I did on the eleventh, but not on not on the tenth. So I, I definitely missed that. Um. So yeah, I I didn't even know it was bike to work day, but uh, that's that's cool. I'm glad you participated. I feel like this like day thing where we we insert whatever day it is. Like there's so many of them, man. It's like National Donut Day, you know, Puppy Day, Dog Mom Day. Oh, there's a really good podcast by Reply All about uh, these days, the holidays. I think it's Reply All. Reply All or, or Radio Lab. Whatever, man. I'm on overload. I can't take any more these days. I'm like, it, there's there's so many of them. I'm like, oh, like it's it's kind of cute for the the first like you know, maybe if there was like five or ten a year, but I don't know. It's like I don't need to know when it's like national you know carne asada taco with guac day like that that's probably a thing and and it's not cinco de mayo it's some other day probably but you know what i mean it's like there's like insert every little thing there's something for it and i'm i'm kind of fatigued yeah there, there's a lot of little holidays here and there right and it's it's kind of funny to to see all these different ones national whatever day like you said national donut day national this day uh so bike to work day is just something that you know, we, we've talked about health, like how this year for me is a big, you know, kind of a health audit, so to speak, right? Like making sure that I'm in better shape and taking better care of myself. So I just threw this in there because I just, I happened to know that it was going to be bike to work day and I plan to, you know, go to bike to work day. And unfortunately I didn't, I missed it by one day, but I still bike to work at least one day that week. So as far as in my book, that, that fucking counts. So whatever. Uh, so I just wanted to see if you did it. If you bike to work and you didn't, but you did do a cycle bar workout sometime this week, right? I know you said that you did one this morning. Yeah, I, I did one. Um, well, I did one the day after the uh, bike to work day on the 11th. And then I did one um, on this morning as well. So I, yeah, I'm definitely still on that train of like two to three days a week. Now that it's, uh, it's uh, at a time where I can, I can definitely do that two to three days a week. I don't know. I, I, I'm favoring more mornings now, though that that has changed. So, um, anyway, so what happened with your Friday night? I'm curious. Uh, so, uh, my Friday night was pretty awesome. Uh, we all know that I enjoy a certain type of pop singer, 
right? And this pop singer's music I definitely enjoy. And you know who that pop singer is, right, Lou? Uh, yeah. Did, did we not talk about her at the uh, beginning of the show? We did. And it's not Katy Perry. So that leaves one person. So uh, Taylor Swift's Reputation Stadium Tour is happening right now. And I was able to get tickets, two tickets to the stadium tour. So last night, I went to a Taylor Swift concert. Please tell me you went with one of your daughters. Uh, I took my oldest daughter, of course. Okay. I was like, this is going to be really awkward if you went with your wife. And <laughs> like, there's there's Adam and his wife, two grown adults sitting at a Taylor Swift concert. I would be kind of worried. Why would that be awkward? Dude, I love it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, like, I'm glad you had fun. That's good. Uh, was it in Santa Cruz? Uh, it was in Santa Clara. So. Well, that's cool. Which is, you know, over the mountain for us. But but yeah, it was a good time. So uh, this is the second show that she's done. She did her first in Arizona. So this is the second, you know, place that she's done it. And she's doing it again tonight, which is hilarious. But <laughs> she spent two days in Santa, in Santa Clara. But yeah, so Reputation, you know, it's it's not my favorite Taylor Swift album. I mean, 1989 was definitely more of an upbeat album in, in, my, in my opinion. So I would have loved to see the 1989 tour. Uh, but that's on Apple Music, so I can just stream it there. So that's fine. But uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, my oldest daughter, she definitely enjoyed uh, seeing Taylor Swift, and we had pretty good seats, uh, pretty good floor seats. So we got to like see Taylor up and close, uh, which was pretty cool. So I'll send you a video um, just so you, I can show you how close we actually were. But it was a good time. I sang along to shake it off, and my daughter looked at me like I was, you know, the plague, which was hilarious. But she had a good time, and that's really kind of why I went hunting for for tickets was for her so this is the first concert she's ever gone to so we put on earplugs and enjoyed you know a late night with taylor swift and then went and got in and out and drove home it was a great friday night oh very cool well i'm I'm glad you guys had a good time and uh i will look forward to your video so i the last thing i had in here in in show notes was that uh, i kind of had a tough week in tech yeah, tell me about your struggles. I'm I'm curious what this tough week means. So I would say I, I tend to be pretty responsible, but uh last um last weekend was I, I had a really busy uh Saturday and so there was just like kind of like four things on the calendar. So I was going from like this thing to this thing to this thing. So it kind of took a lot of like mental prep to make sure I had all the right, like um, I'm going to say outfit changes. Cause I went from cycle bar to somewhere else to somewhere else. And so there was like casual, you know, midday. And then I had to have like a polo and some nicer stuff for dinner. And, and so there was a lot moving and, you know, a lot with me. And at some point in that day, I misplaced or lost my headphones. So I lost a pair of um, beats uh, X headphones that I pretty much wear almost every day from pretty much when I get up to when I go to bed. They're just always around my neck in case I need to throw some tunes on or just put something in my ears, take a phone call, whatever I need to do, they're always on me. And um, so that was an expensive mistake for sure and something that doesn't happen regularly. So it was sort of one of those like, you know, I I looked around and I did, you know, all kind of like my – I fully spent like a a week, you know, making sure I checked everywhere I could and that I, you know, kind of, um, I ended up like called cycle bar, made sure I didn't leave them there. Like I just tried to do everything I could to make sure I I got them. 
but um or I got, you know, like I did all the research that I could to get them, but eh, it didn't, it didn't end up turning up. So that kind of was a, a bummer. And I just had to kind of like take a deep breath and realize, Hey, you know, slow down. It doesn't happen that often. This could be worse. But, um, and then another thing that happened this week was, um, I have a anchor charger that is on the backside of my, uh, uh, my nightstand that is like 10 USB ports wide. And, for whatever reason, it powers on still, but it doesn't charge anything out of all 10 USB ports. And um, the I woke up like Tuesday morning and uh, my iPad was plugged into it and it was, char- or was uh, charged but powered off in the middle of the night, my iPad did. And so I reset the iPad, not thinking much of it. And um, it wasn't until Tuesday night I came home and I was like, hey, the, the, the charger's not working. And I tried a different cable, tried a bunch of different cables, do that whole like triage thing and figured out the two-year-old anchor charger thing doesn't work anymore. So I don't know. It just seemed like, uh, you know, one of those like when it rains, it pours kind of weeks. So uh, I I have to spend a little more money, I guess, (laughs) in the coming weeks to like replace the charger, replace the headphones. So you still look at the, uh, uh, well, yeah, the B-Techs were pretty nice, I guess, for working out. I have a pair of bows now that I'm working with, like the sound sports. And I like those, but it sucks that you just, you know, you lost like, cause what, what are they like 200 bucks or something, right? It's a decent amount of money. Yeah. The beats, the beats I think were like 150. So, um, uh, it's, it's definitely like, yeah, I went when I, you know, lose that. Of course it's like, uh, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. It's like, if you lose a pair of like, you know, headphones. Yeah, it hurts. It definitely hurts, but you're still like, okay, you know, it's not as painful, but yeah, when you've spent some money like that, you're like, Oh God, man, how did I misplace those? Yeah. Well, and then your other thing, eh, the, the charging one is like, eh, it was just, the charging was just like the icing on the cake. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, oh, go spend another like $40 to replace the charger. <laughs> it's like, oh God, why do you have to get me now? Just like happen in a month, please make space it out a little bit. Well, maybe you'll at least have a dry spell for the next like couple months. Hopefully. Yeah, that'd be nice. Just uh, get a little reprieve. Well, hopefully your tech woes get better or your tech luck improves. Just crack open a fortune cookie and see what it says and just hope it's not your password. <laughs> yeah, please don't be my password. <laughs> fortune cookie equals password. Oh, your password's fortune cookie one? Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you replaced the O's with zeros. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. And you put an exclamation mark after it, it's fine. That's exactly right, that's how you do it. Just add random characters to the end of anything. Hashtag at symbol, ampersands, open parens, close parens, Hilda, dollar sign, dollar dollar bills, y'all. Obviously, the show starts with Katy Perry, but the goat stuff you can put in after. Obviously. Well, luckily you have like 18 sets of headphones, right? Yeah, I have a ton of them. So it's like, but they're wired. Oh, gross. (laughs) I like goats. Goats are fun. Yeah, I know, I know they're definitely your thing. I mean, like, 
it's kind of weird that you know goats are my thing, but but goats are my thing, man. Hey, man, I'm not judging. I'm not judging at all. You can't judge me based on goats. <laughs>